Welcome to the Spiritual Life Management Podcast, where we help you bring balance in your life and live to your fullest potential with your host, Gretchen Smith. Welcome back, my friends, to Spiritual Life Management. Today, my guest is transformational change leader, author, and co-founder of Untethered Awake the Soul, Heather Hansen Wickman, PhD. Heather's background is quite impressive. She holds a PhD in organizational systems, leading transformational change, an MA in human resources and organizational development, and a BS in human resource development. Best of all, she is on a mission to help people who are navigating change and uncertainty, making massive career transitions, and building highly engaged and top-performing teams. Through her company, Untethered, people can use sacral ancestral medicine to open their hearts and create the change they know is possible when leading their inner knowing. Heather is a firm believer that inner transformation is the secret to greater consciousness and creating the world we all like to experience. She has worked with companies such as Optum, Envision, Healthcare, the Vita Medical Group, and has consulted leaders in many executive level positions at over 20 companies. Many of her clients have struggled with navigating change and uncertainty, making massive career transitions, and building highly engaged and top-performing teams. She is also the author of her book, The Evolved Executive, The Future of Work is Love and Action. Welcome, Heather. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to have you on the show. We have so much to unpack today, and I know that the listeners are going to love this. (laughs) So I was hoping if you could just give us a little bit of a brief history and backstory about yourself and how Untethered Consulting came about. Yeah, the the toughest question first, right? Yes. (laughs) So let's see. I would say I am a great example of that accidental entrepreneur. If you knew me 10 years ago, you'd never guess what I'm up to today. And so I would say born and raised a Minnesota kid. And so if you know anything about the Midwest, that kind of has this cultural implication to it. So I was risk adverse. You know, I like to follow the rules. I like to, you know, be safe and stay inside the lines. Um, really no big desire to, to rock the boat. And likewise, had a very common or traditional idea of what success looked like. So you graduate from high school, you go to college. You know, you start a job, you climb the corporate ladder, and that's what success would be. And so that's exactly what I did. You know, I I went to a big school and got my first degree, got a job. Everything was going kind of right on track. And then I was like, hey, hey, I want to set myself apart here a little bit. So let's get another degree. So I went ahead and got my master's degree you know, got married, bought a house, did all those things. You know, I'm, I'm on this path and it's at the time feeling really good. And let's see, I was probably, you know, mid-level career at that point. So mid-level management at that point. And I was again at that point of like, I want to set myself apart. So let's, what's the next thing I can do? Well, of course, let's do a PhD. <laughs> and, you know, in retrospect, I call this my permanent head damage, even though it was a huge life-changing process for me. But so I got my PhD and that did set me up to really accelerate my career path. And so got myself into an executive level position in a large healthcare organization and 
you know, I should be really happy. I should be really excited. And as you might guess, I was, I was pretty miserable. I was pretty depressed. I was pretty anxious. I was lacking any kind of inner, uh, the inner drive and motivation I thought I was going to have when I was at that point. And so that's when I would say my crack happened, my corporate crack where I just kind of crumbled. I was offered what I thought was going to be my dream job. And my husband was moving out of Colorado, out to California to join me. And one day it hit me. I uh, had just kind of a really tough week and was laying in bed. I'm like, oh my God, there's just got to be a better way to do this. And that soul sinking feeling that says, I I can't do this. And so I ended up resigning from that role. And that was a domino effect of my husband resigned from his corporate role. And we ended up selling almost everything we owned and traveling for a full year. And that's actually how Untethered was founded. We um, kind of peeled back all the layers and really did the discovery that we hadn't done before to understand what it is we want to do and what impact we want to make in the world. And, you know, who would have thought this Minnesota kid would go from, you know, this corporate climb to a really traditional executive coach and now to, you know, this coach who guides clients through accelerated growth experiences with all different types of modalities, including sacred plant medicine, as well as horses and many other things. So it's been quite a, quite a ride and I'm happy to be here. That does sound like quite a ride and definitely <laughs> not what you would expect, right? Exactly. <laughs> life-changing. No joke. Oh my goodness. So when you started writing your book, The Evolved Executive, The Future of Love in Action, was it that you were just simply not seeing certain aspects in your particular workplace or what was it specifically that landed you on this particular path of creating a more loving, more compassionate, more serving workplace? It's a great question. You know, I have been playing with this idea of what would happen if we brought love into the workforce. For a long time, I actually wanted to do my doctoral dissertation work on love at work and was told by my (laughs) dissertation committee that you can't talk about love at work. The two just don't go together. And at that point, I was, you know, that Minnesota kid. I was like, okay, if they say I can't do it, I can't do it. So I'll do something different. Um, In hindsight, I should have pushed forward and just done it. And so I've, I've always been really intrigued by this idea of love, and it's obviously a broader sense of the idea. So belonging and connectedness and vulnerability and this, this deepening expanse of who we are, coupled with the workplace, because I think the workplace is, is really this incredible opportunity for us to deepen in ourselves, in our identity and who we are and bringing our gifts into the world. So what would happen if we brought these two together? And I was also experiencing this myself, as well as with so many other of my friends and colleagues, and was researching it, that we are predominantly operating from fear. And so competition and scarcity and hoarding and this kind of toxic gossip are all indicators of fear. And so what would happen if we flipped that? What would happen if we showed up in collaboration, in um, conversation, in sharing, in all of those things? And my hypothesis has always been that we're going to be happier as human beings as, as well as more profitable and productive as organizations. And so that's kind of where I play and where I stand. And it's an ongoing kind of inquiry. Right. 
And I can completely resonate with this because I know the last few years that I was in corporate America, coming from working for most of my career in a fear state, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, in a competitive state, Mm -hmm. um, the only thing that got me through the last few years was really trying to find some loving meaning with my employees. Sure. You know, how could I better help them in their work environment? How can I better help them in their life? Mm -hmm. And just coming from more of a loving place was what actually got me to work because I was otherwise mentally checked out. Oh, for sure. I was was ready to go. Yeah. It's completely draining. (laughs) Yeah, Very draining. Yeah. I would love for you to share a little bit about what is in the book as far as some of the stats that are out there. They're absolutely staggering. What is currently taking place in most of the workplaces out there. Yeah, absolutely. And so I don't have the book right here in front of me, but please do chime into the introductory chapter of the book and you're going to see these specifically. But the one that kind of jumps out at me most is the one around trust that says the vast majority of people will trust a stranger on the streets more than they trust their boss. And that has always been, uh, man, a shocking, shocking statistic. The other one that um, hits me is that um, in regards to our health and well-being, that our boss has more implication over our health and well-being than secondhand smoke. And I was like, that that's a huge indicator of make sure that when you go to work and you find a job that you're working for someone that you align with and that is good for you. Because otherwise, it's just being around someone who's smoking constantly. And so it's been, those are two that really jump out at me and really speak to the need to pay attention to who we're working for and who we're working with in terms of the organization. Absolutely. Yes, I I completely agree with you. And today, you are working with organizations. You're working with leaders of organizations. I'm assuming you're working with management teams as well. Exactly. Okay. And can you share a little bit about your growth intensives and immersion experiences to break through some of those stubborn roadblocks and, you know, master the change needed to achieve the most important results? Yeah, absolutely. So we tend to work with uh, those individuals who are high achieving executives and entrepreneurs who really are working with a roadblock that is hanging with them for a long time and they need to do something to get over it. So these intenses are are probably not for someone who's getting what they need out of the traditional training and development approach, but for someone who's like, oh my goodness, I have tried three, four, five different things and I can't move through this roadblock. So an example, maybe, you know, I'm working with imposter syndrome or I just can't say no, or I need more clarity on what my purpose is and have tried all of these things. Well, through our years of experience and our is my husband and I, we are business partners as well. We've been on this path of how do we, how do we ourselves move through change and move through growth in the most effective and accelerated way? And so based on our own experiences, we've devised these growth intensives and we have a growth formula that guides the process. And you'll see this on our website at beyondtether.co, but it's basically we have incorporated a peak experience. And I think this is really what sets us apart in our growth intensives, where we work with people up front to really get clear on intention, on the goal that you want to achieve, what we're trying to change. 
And then we move you through a peak experience because if we know anything about change, we have to shake up our mind. We have to shake up our brain. So our brain is this beautiful kind of prediction machine. And if we don't kind of shake it up in terms of create a peak experience that um, in a way allows for more neuroplasticity or more room for experiences to inform different beliefs, assumptions, ideas in our mind, we can't really move through change. It just kind of falls in the same prediction pattern. So these great peak experiences, like I said, with um, plant medicine, so sacred plant medicine or horses. So we work with horses as well as it could be anything like breath work, or we've got a specific coaching practice called the immunity of change. We get you through this peak experience. And on the other side, we help you then integrate the pretty incredible insights or ahas into your everyday life or everyday leadership career. And so that is our growth intensive and it's three months in length and we actually have a money back guarantee. And so if we can't get you significantly on your way to achieving your goal, then we're going to give you your money back. We shouldn't be holding it if we can't do our job. So that's a little bit about what our intensives are all about. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And again, I want to refer back to the book. This mm-hmm. There is a lot of information about this in the book, which is absolutely amazing. And not only did I find this really just exceptional information if you're in leadership of any kind, but also if you're the working employee under leadership, I feel like you can even take some tidbits out of this and Mm -hmm. bring it into your workplace and make Mm -hmm. a difference as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I want to circle back to your intensives. Never have I ever... Known of a intensive or of a leadership program that incorporated plant medicine. And I think this is absolutely amazing. And I was hoping that you could share with the listeners some of the benefits that these individuals get when they experience um, plant medicine, ayahuasca, or something along those lines, and how it can change and impact them and their their company or their team. Mm-hmm. You know, it is really um, a wide array of effects and impacts that this type of work can have. And it really depends on the type of intent that someone's coming in to achieve. I can give you kind of a, a generalized response in terms of we've worked with several leaders that are coming to us to get a better sense of clarity around, you know, not only their purpose potentially as a founder, CEO, but how to like have greater impact in the work that they're doing. And there's a part of us that, you know, we only know what we know. And so we can kind of ruminate in those spaces for a long time and never really get too far. Where if we sit down and and really create um, an intention about, you know, discovering a new element or discovering the angle that brings us most alive, whatever it might be, and then go into potentially a week-long retreat with one of the sacred plant medicines, so ayahuasca as an example, or psilocybin, or wachuma. These experiences, um, they're hard to explain for folks who have never encountered them, but they are pretty life-changing. The thing about plant medicine is that the way in which they work with our brains is that they dull the effect of our default mode network in our brain. And so think of that default mode network as that, you know, the monkey mind, the right. chatter that constantly is happening. The the sacred plant medicine as well as the rituals that go 
along with it, really quiet that part of our brain so that we have access to the subconscious in ways that we never have before. So new insights, profound knowing, profound feelings emerge in that space that we would not have access to otherwise. And so coming out of those, individuals oftentimes have these pretty um, invaluable and kind of awe-inspiring ahas about the ways in which they want to create different impact in the world that they have never seen before, they've never verbalized before. And so with that new information, then we will go through a pretty, I would say, fun and exciting coaching process where we take them on small little experiments to say, how can you implement this into your day-to-day life versus it just being this great little aha and revelation, how do we actually impact not only your life, but potentially the lives of everyone that you're leading. And so hopefully that gives you a little sense of what that could be like, but please feel free to jump in with any additional questions. No, that that's amazing. I'm so happy that you were able to get some clarity around that for our listeners. And um, because I think it's so important that people understand the wonderful benefits that something like plant medicine can bring to the table. And I know that often people experience just tremendous amounts of love and creativity mm-hmm. and feelings of oneness, and they're able to bring that all back. And I love the way it can be implemented into the workplace, which I think is really outside of the box or outside of the norm. <laughs> yeah. And many leaders would never think to do this. Absolutely. And I would have a caveat there that, you know, working with sacred plant medicines is is not to to be taken lightly in terms of I would never suggest a leader, you know, find this medicine and just go and try to do it themselves. Right. We work with, you know, indigenous practitioners who've been doing this for their whole lifetimes and have been taught by their grandmothers and grandfathers and know the medicine and are able to take you on a journey with the medicine in a very sacred way. And so would in yeah, ensure that whoever's interested in doing something like that, make sure that you're doing it in a way that really upholds the power of the medicine. Right. Absolutely. I agree. Mm-hmm. Another interesting uh, element that you bring into your programs with the equine therapy, with the uh, working with horses mm-hmm. and the trust element. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. Have you ever had a chance to be around horses? I, I have. I absolutely love horses. So I grew up with horses and then my horse passed away in my early 20s. And, you know, part of me passed away with my horse for sure. Yeah. And I think now looking back with the training that I have in equine facilitated coaching, I didn't realize what the horse was doing with me and for me at the time when I was a kid. And now get to bring that to my clients in a really practical and experiential way. So, you know, we think of horses as, you know, kind of this as a pet or as, you know, our animal that we do competition with or trail rides with or all these kind of things. But the work that we do is really on the ground with the horse as our teacher. And that might sound a little bit strange to individuals that haven't experienced it again, but I I think of horses as one of the world's best congruency detectors. And Mm -hmm. I always say to my clients, you know, you can lie to me, but you can't lie to this horse. You know, so we will work with the horse to help that individual really understand where their beliefs and assumptions are getting in their way. And so just a little bit of background there. Horses are prey animals. And so based on that, they are constantly assessing for congruency in the world around them. So am I safe? Are things as they seem? 
and they're quick to show us when we're being incongruent. And the, the key is whether we know it or not. We may be so good at faking it that we don't even know when we're putting on a smiling face anymore. Right. Or the imposter syndrome is a big one in this case when we're trying to fake being confident when in fact all we feel is insecurity. And so the horses become this kind of real-time, again, congruency detector to be able to help us be in our authentic power, in our authentic self by giving us that real-time feedback. So horses will be around us. They will work with us. They will collaborate with us when we are congruent, when, we, when, our, when our spoken word and our actions are aligned. But the moment we become incongruent, we are no longer safe. Right. And so they will move away from us. Again, so that becomes such an incredible practicing ground for us to be able to find the ways in which we can be more authentic in our own self. Right. Oh, I love that. I love these unique methods that you're, you're using in your practice. Right. Mm-hmm. Can you share with us three takeaways or practices that leaders can implement today, just little actions to evolve and bring more love and action into their organizations? Absolutely. So let's see, from a, a leader perspective, and these may be similar as I speak to both the leader and then to the employee. One thing I'll say is that an employee is, you know, the leader of their own life and the leader of their leadership in whatever they're doing. And so oftentimes there's a lot of similarities here. But from a, a leader perspective, love in action I think really boils down to creating places for people to flourish. And so anything you can do in a small way to create that space is a great first step. So one example would be something as simple as, you know, check in with your employees, check in with them about where they want to grow. How do they want to expand their career? Where do they see themselves in five years? And then how can you help them? It's surprisingly how a simple conversation, a simple question can make huge ripples in someone's lives, their engagement, their commitment to you as a leader. The other thing I would say as a quick little tip that you can do today is reflect. Where do you as a leader want to grow? Or more specifically, where do you as a leader need to grow? in order to become more of the person, more of the leader that you want to be or that the world needs. The other question that you could reflect on is, where am I leading from fear? We talked about that a little bit earlier. You know, where am I leading from a place of competition? Where am I leading from a place of, you know, throwing someone else under the bus or hoarding information? And how could I make a different choice in that place? And then lastly would be, you know, try something different. What is one little thing that you could do today that would create a place for someone to flourish or help you in your own life grow and evolve in a deeper way. And so this is all you're seeing is kind of inner work. You know, we've got to begin with ourselves and then we can kind of bring it out into the team. So that's what I would say from a leader perspective, what an employee could do. So someone who is, you know, working independently or an independent contributor is similarly, but you, you could jump into the space of discovery. So what's the one big thing that I would like to see differently in my life or differently in my work? And then what's stopping me? And with that, what's stopping me? The second thing you could try is experiment. Try doing one thing differently that would get you closer to that one big thing you want to see. And then 
you know, the last thing that just popped into my mind here that I think is useful and not often one that we lean into is play. The quickest way to change is often by doing the thing that you love. So it might not be related to your work, might not be related to your career, but you might be surprised when you start doing the thing that you love, even if it's, you know, riding horses, playing with your dog, going fishing, something, you might have that moment of clarity that says, oh my goodness, this is what I really care about. Or that aha that says, my gosh, that's the answer to the question I've been asking for the last year. Play can really trigger those unique and valuable insights. So those are a few things that I would say you could do today. Wonderful. I I love all that you covered. I think it's very powerful. And yeah, play can definitely bring out our purpose, Mm -hmm. our passions and our purpose in life. So I I love to talk about play. (laughs) Good. (laughs) I also really, really enjoyed the fact that so many organizations now are starting to, I'm going to just say, think outside the box. It's, we've had this mainstream concept of what companies are supposed to look like for Mm -hmm. so long. And now, especially with what's happened in the last couple of years, more and more people are working at home and or there's so much turnover now compared to several years beforehand and things are really rapidly changing. And it's really critical that if we don't keep up or if we don't think outside the box, somebody else, some other company is going to evolve and do something different or better than us. Mm -hmm. And therefore, it's more important than ever, it seems, that we do things a little bit differently. Yeah. And I think that you really hit it home, you know, as I was reading this book, which I'm sure... it was what, a couple of years ago when it was published? You know, I just did the second edition here in 2021. 2021. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's been so much change even since it went to the press then. Exactly. Yes. And it's just, like I said, it's a time that we have to have change. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that really hit home with me was you mentioned a company and I I unfortunately don't recall the name of it, that does check-ins. Mm-hmm. Decurion. Yes, that is correct. Yes. Yes. Would you mind sharing just a little bit about the check-ins and what they are? Yeah. You know, this is probably one of the simplest practices that I've seen and has some of the biggest effects from a team engagement, but you can also think of it as just when you're engaging with your colleagues or your friends. So a check-in is something that you do at the very beginning of a conversation or the very beginning of a meeting, and you just basically open up with an open-ended statement, something like, you know, what do you have to get off your chest to be fully present with me right here in this moment? And it allows for people to kind of take a deep breath, kind of get centered and say, you know, maybe I've got this 3 p.m. deadline that I know I have a lot of work and I'm preoccupied with it, but I'm going to do my best to be here present with you all. You get responses like that that allows people to have some insight into what is happening in that individual's life and allows people to become present in a much different way. And so you can use a question like, you know, what do you need to get off your chest? Or, you know, just tell me about what's on your heart and mind right now in this minute. And it's really like you give everyone a minute to jump in, a minute to share, a minute to kind of 
come together and it creates this container that um, is so much different than if you just start by, you know, your to-do list. All right, let's go over the budget. Let's go over da-da-da-da-da-da. By starting out in that human space creates incredible ripples for vulnerability, for connection and belonging. Right. Which is so much different than what we see in a lot of organizations. Exactly. I have all these thoughts firing through me right now. I, most times people come in, they punch in, and then their their leader, their manager, what have you, comes over and says, hey, I need you to unload those 15 boxes over there and I'll see you at your lunch break. <laughs> exactly. There's yeah. no check-in. Yeah. Not at all. <laughs> no, not at all. And I have found in my past experience, when you have a little insight into what is taking place with individuals in your organization you can much easier work with them. You can collaborate. You can help them out. Um, Mm -hmm. You have more clarity and understanding and you develop a bond, which we often don't get. Exactly. And it's really hard to build that bond when it's all tactical, right? If you know your kids, if you know your colleague's kid's name, if you know that they've got a soccer meet tonight, if you know their parent just passed away, that creates some Oh man, a connection that you just can't have otherwise. Right. And I believe there were some stats about this as well. When you start implementing actions that you know are much more loving and caring in the workplace, you have a more of a, I guess I should say, you have a, a more high performing team than you had before just by simple little loving actions. Yeah. You know, that was from a, a healthcare worker study. And by creating an environment where people feel like they're cared for and valued, created like an ROI of like 60% more productivity. And so the book has more details about what it means around how do you create that sense of care and feeling valued. But even like these little questions about, you know, what's on your mind, what's on your heart, what's going on for you today? allow someone to feel like you actually care about them. And in turn, people show up in a much more uh, generative way where they want to give and where they want to work hard versus just, you know, I'm going to clock in and clock out for a paycheck. Right. And I just can't even imagine 60% more productivity just by showing how much you care about somebody. It's crazy. The simple things that we oftentimes overlook. Right. The simple things. And we have organizations out there right now that are looking to cut back, Mm -hmm. um, reduce costs, Mm -hmm. you name it, just to get more productivity or a higher bottom line. And where they could just come from a totally different angle and get more. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think we're in the space of, you know, the great resignation right now. So many people are resigning and that may be because, you know, they want to do something that more aligns with their purpose and passion. And I completely align with that. But there's also those individuals that are leaving because they don't feel appreciated. They don't feel valued. They don't feel seen. They don't feel heard. And those are things that leaders can change almost immediately. And so that is really a lot of what this book is geared towards is how do you, how do you lead from that place of care versus the, the place of fear, which is constant, you know, tactics. Oh my God, we're behind. Oh my goodness, we have this to do, so on and so forth. Productivity will happen and it'll happen oftentimes much more efficiently and effectively when individuals feel cared for. Yes. So I want to definitely encourage all of the listeners out there to get a copy of The Evolved Executive, The Future of Work is Love in Action. 
Absolutely. It's definitely a time that I believe everybody could benefit from that. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Heather, if you wouldn't mind just sharing some of the great transformations that you've seen come out of your intensives, I think the listeners would really enjoy hearing about it. Yeah. So let me see an example that might be most fitting. Um, You know, I was working with a woman executive of a large company here who was in this place, and we spoke to it a little bit earlier around imposter syndrome. So really struggling with this idea of always feeling like she wasn't good enough or she might be found out as a fraud or, you know, whatever that, that imposter syndrome looks like to that individual. And her improvement goal was really around how do I reside in my power? How do I find my power and stay there? And I had this individual work with a horse because again, a horse is this great congruency detector and almost biofeedback provider to give us real-time feedback on when that person was in their power and when they were not. And so as an example, I could give that individual some instructions to potentially, you know, lead the horse down the arena or move over this obstacle or have the horse do X, Y, or Z. Immediately, you could detect with the horse, either the horse is willing to do that activity with this individual, with this client, or the horse would stand there completely still, would not budge an inch. And this was an incredible opportunity for that individual to kind of dive into what am I scared of right now? What am I feeling like I'm failing at right now? And what would it look like if I could stand in my power? By kind of moving through that dialogue out loud as we're doing a coaching conversation, that individual was able to find the confidence in herself to say, I am strong enough. I have what it takes. I can move through this obstacle. And oftentimes we liken it to something that they're struggling with at work. And so in that moment, when that individual shifted their perspective, the horse almost led them through the obstacle versus that individual having to pull this horse along. The horse was like, absolutely, let's go there. And so in the debrief and the coaching work after that experience, that individual was able to kind of go back and identify the feelings, the beliefs and assumptions that were in place when they were able to stand in their power and move effectively with that horse. And that's a great example of then how they need to show up at work. And so being able to work with that client over the course of three months, you could see some very tangible and practical shifts that she was able to do by standing in her power, believing in herself, and then moving forward with that kind of only belief in her mind. Ah, that's great. (laughs) So much fun. That is so much fun and great results. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, I also wanted to just touch on real quickly your uh, growth meter index. Yes. The growth leader index. Absolutely. I'm sorry. The growth leader index. Yes. So I've been working on this self-assessment for the last year and it is finally done. And so this really gives you a bird's eye view of your ability to navigate and move through change. And so I would gladly provide you a link to provide to your listeners to take this assessment and you get a very customized report to get a sense of where you are at and things that you can do to improve your ability to change. Oh, that's amazing. That sounds like a lot of fun too. Absolutely. I I love the self-improvement. That sounds like a lot of fun. I'll definitely be taking that. Perfect. (laughs) Who couldn't benefit from it anyway? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay. So tell me, where can people connect with you? You can find me online at beuntethered.co.co. You can find me on LinkedIn and um, Instagram at Heather Wickman, PhD. Um, Yeah. And you'll find me 
Um, if you, we've got a newsletter that you can sign up for and you'll hear about kind of recent, uh, recent events, some potent and um, poignant research that indicates how we move through change, all of those things. So feel free to connect with me however feels best for you. Wonderful. And I have to say, I've been to your website and I really enjoyed it. It looks like you have the growth intensives um, out there on the website. And you we have do, the yes. different ones. Mm-hmm. Yes, check it out. And can individuals choose one of those programs to go through it or is it more of a group situation? We almost always start individually. So even if it's a leader that wants to take a team through it, we'll usually do an individual intensive first so they understand the full process before they throw their whole team into it. But yes, um, we work with the individual to identify which modality or which kind of peak experience to work with first, just so that we make sure we match you with the kind of appropriate level of kind of intensity and desire. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. And can you tell us where you're located? We're in Colorado. Oh, beautiful Colorado. Yeah, it's hard to beat. Wonderful. Okay. Well, that's right in the center of the U.S., so easy to get to. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And is there any last words of wisdom that you would like to share with the listeners today? Oh, that's a great question. You know, I would say have some fun. We we oftentimes take this growth work so seriously, whether it's, you know, personal growth, you know, wellness changes, whatever it might be, we get so disciplined and so kind of narrowly focused on the goal that we're trying to achieve. And for me, at least, I'm finding that the more play, the more fun, the more lightness we can bring to the process, the better results that we get. And Ah, the easier it is to move through the process. So I would just say, have more fun. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. I I definitely agree with you there. Have more fun. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I certainly thank you for being on the show today, Heather. And for our listeners, again, you can certainly check out Heather's wonderful book, The Evolved Executive, The Future of Work is Love in Action. There is something for everyone in this book. So I highly encourage you to get that. And uh, additionally, check out her intensives. I just thank you all for listening today. And I thank you so much, Heather, for being with us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Spiritual Life Management Podcast with your host, Gretchen Smith. And if you would like more information on Heather Whitman and her company, Untethered, please see the show notes. If you're looking to connect, please reach out to me at GretchenSmithCoaching at gmail.com or check me out on Instagram at GretchenSmithCoaching. You can send me a DM. Hey, and if you enjoyed the show today, please like and or subscribe. By doing so, you get notification of new episodes as they release. Additionally, it helps us reach more listeners. Thank you for your support and 